Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Au, a VC, founder, and father. Mondays for no BS commentary on the latest startup news with Shuyen Ko, managing partner of Hustle Fund. Thursdays for in-depth interviews of changemakers across the region, sharing about the highs and lows of their lives. Join us and over 10,000 subscribers at www.bravesea.com for transcripts, analysis, and community. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about digital avatars. A year ago, I learned that Teresa Tang, which is one of the most famous singers in China and Hong Kong, was, you know, quote unquote, resurrected in a virtual hologram 27 years after death. The SCMP, Chinese newspaper video, actually showed and demonstrated that video, which showed her singing and reacting to the listener. And I was thinking to myself that quite clearly, you know, the family has sold the digital rights to her persona, her looks, her voice, um, even though she is gone, right? Um, and I think over time, I've discovered that there are many other characters that really have had some form of that digital right to their whole person, their face that has been sold. So for example, um, Darth Vader, right? It was played voice-wise by James Earl Jones. That being said, James Earl Jones does not actually own his voice for Darth Vader because technically that voice is owned by Lucasfilms, which has been acquired by Disney. What's interesting that those rights were not very monetizable in the sense that obviously there were, you know, CDs, there were going to be musical recordings, you know. So these are rights that were there in terms of presence, but never tried to sell the right of their whole presence, right? Their personality. And isn't that kind of crazy? Like I sold the rights to my voice and my face. Uh, and actually without understanding it, I also gave implicit permission, which I'm sure everyone's going to have a big fight over in 10 to 20 years of a law, but it was the soul, the personality, the spirit of that person um, also sold in those rights, which is really interesting because it's not just a voice, it's not just a face, but it's really the whole personality and so, so forth. And the reason why it's relevant is because, you know, I remember someone complained to me that in the second trilogy of movies, there was never a reunion of the three main characters in the first trilogy, right? Which is Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo. Which makes sense. I mean, they couldn't make the times work. They couldn't make um, the script work. And also, unfortunately, uh, Leia, unfortunately, has uh, passed away, right? And so... There's an interesting dynamic, obviously, that she has come back, actually, in some form and fashion. Once she, was, she came back to DH, she was a CGI, um, and her rights, honestly, have been sold to her descendants, right? My prediction is that there will be a reunion of Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo. Is this going to happen in 10 years, 20 years? But it's going to happen, and, you know, one may be real, and the other two may just be CGI, right? And it's going to be, like, a mind-blowing moment for everybody, because you're going to see did actors act? And that's going to be obviously great because actually um, that's what people want. People want that those characters, they want those characters to come back and you know, there's no limit to content that people are willing to buy, especially if you're a super fan, right? And obviously people who are not fans can choose to simply not watch that content. So with that digital AI content, effectively the cost production is effectively 
zero, right? Because once you have to advertise, et cetera, you just had to put scripts, put scenes, put counterparts. And the cost of production really goes down for these famous actors because they use the charge and bill for their time, right? And time is relevant for a human, but time is not relevant for an artificial intelligence or, or more importantly, an avatar that you're just, you know, uh, adjusting on screen. And that's being done by 20, 30, 50, 100 animators, scriptwriters, et cetera, but they're all relatively commoditized. What that means is that Hollywood is going to have much more nostalgic films over time as they bring back old characters, right? Can you imagine? There are so many folks that you know have passed away. You could have Saruman come back, right? You could have all these great you know characters. You could even have Charlie Chaplin come back, right? And he will just be in 2D color or it can be in 3D, VR. All these characters can come back infinitely and they can also infinitely interact with you. Um, and so that kind of creates some crazy ideas that, you know, it got me brainstorming here, right? But, you know, obviously we talked about it once with a previous episode with Shuyen, but, you know, you could create like an, you know, love relationship partner avatar of BTS, right? You know, so many fans of K-pop would love to have a relationship. There's already a game where you pretend to be the manager of BTS, but imagine now you could actually have a companion who is still young. He's still, you know, 17 years old. You are also 17. Then you kind of like have that relationship and then, you become 21 years old. He also becomes 21 years old and he's also learning and adjusting and so, so forth. Like there's a crazy relationship can build BTS that's just totally independent of, of the actual human, but you could have that one-on-one -on -one relationship that every fan wants, right? Because it's something called the parasocial relationship, which is you believe you have a social relationship with them, but you don't, but you can actually make it social with the avatar of them. So the rights go to, and the economics go to those who have strong brands around their personal presence and body. The other end, of course, is that as a result, you know, these movies are going to squeeze out, unfortunately, human actors, right? Human actors who are relatively commoditized. And so commoditized means that, you know, for example, they are average actors. They are good actors. They are um, blonde. They are, you know, an archetype of a person that they want in a film. But you could just generate infinite characters of them, right? And we kind of saw that a little bit in Lord of the Rings. I always remember that people were blown away, right? Because, you know, once, you know, they made that scene with like tens of thousands of humans running across a field fighting. And actually, they only had 100 actors there and they just replicated those 100 actors. And so it's kind of crazy because if they had to make that movie, and I've seen some Chinese, you know, war movies where they literally hired 10,000 extras, the 10,000 jobs that were made for that month, right? Uh, Actually, it does happen in the movie for the Napoleon Wars as well, right? Um, where the Russian uh, folks were actually acting in that movie. So now you only have 100 actors for 10,000. And now you effectively have zero actors, human, for like 10,000, 100,000, infinite, right? And we see actually some versions of that right now. There are now companies that have come out and startups that are building you know, a, a lower resolution of that, which is called NPC as a service, right? So basically, they can create infinite non-player characters that can be slotted into your story, slotted into your video game. They have a totally digital likeness, totally unique, not based on any human, a totally unique voice and totally unique script, right? That they generate with a backstory based on the seed. And so you have infinite non-player characters that are effectively extras in a video game. But you can imagine that it's not that far away from you, you know, pushing up the resolution and making them background extras. And then you can imagine them pushing up next to be like, Okay, this could be, you know, the secondary antagonist, right? The secondary protagonist could eventually be photorealistic actors that's there. And so I think the only humans that retain that value would be those that really have some tremendous star power 
which is like legacy characters, uh, which already have that nostalgia, as well as maybe obviously some folks who are really fresh and different as a character that people want that authenticity. Of course, there's going to be an audience demand for 100% human films, right? You know, films that are artsy and boutique and 100% human. And they're going to be much more expensive, honestly. Uh, but I think there'll be a niche for that type of content. Uh, and the last thing I did think about, which is weird, is that actually all of us are already digitally immortal, right? Which is bonkers. So what it means is that, you know, all of us have photos on the internet of ourselves, like, you know, especially public figures, right? So Martin Luther King, you know, he has his voice, his speech, and so on and so forth. So technically, any of us can clone that person now and create a generative AI and avatar of that person, you know, speaking, moving, reacting, discussing. And so anybody who has any kind of public presence on the web, effectively, you can create a hologram of that person. The only question that's really there about your immortal hologram is the resolution of that hologram. So what that means is that Martin Luther King, for example, a lot of his stuff is public domain, right? So routers or you know, all these folks took photos of him. So all that's really an open domain. So nobody can really veto, right, the, for someone to generate that AI avatar of him. But technically, the family of Martin Luther King could, you know, sue, right, or prevent the usage of his private materials, right? So for example, I have... Um, you know, I can imagine someone makes a generative AI avatar of me and I can reject and say, you do not have consent to use, you have consent to use my public domain style where I was at some event, but you don't have consent to scrape and use my podcast, right? And my voice and that set of knowledge about my speaking habits and mannerisms, et cetera, that show different situations of it, right? And so if I don't give you consent, I don't, you don't get that second higher fidelity resolution of it, right? But if I do give you consent, then actually it's quite interesting, right? Then you have my public stuff and then you have my private commercial stuff and then you can create an avatar of me. So you can probably create a good simulation of Jeremy now if I give consent of me in a podcast scenario. That being said, there's actually a third layer of resolution that's actually quite interesting, right? Which is that, do you give consent to the private materials, right? So if I gave you my WhatsApp, my search history, my drive, Google Drive, the stuff I read, right? You know, all that digital trail that I have that's technically private. Then you could actually create a really high resolution avatar of Jeremy, not just in the public domain, public speaking, not just in podcasting and speaking about topics and teaching and lecturing, but also of Jeremy in his private moments, especially on WhatsApp, right? And on video calls and things like that. And that's actually a really interesting resolution uh, where... Uh, Obviously, this avatar would be quite compelling to strangers, acquaintances, and probably even, you know, uh, good friends, right? Because, you know, they have a certain view of me in those scenarios. And only perhaps, you know, the people who are closest to me, maybe my wife, my children, my best friends, may be able to notice some areas where they think it's a little bit rough around the edges. But it's good enough. And so technically, I'm already digitally immortal. And I don't know if I pass away, let's say, tomorrow, hopefully not. But technically, you can imagine like my wife or my children giving the rights because my digital totem, right? Uh, the digital footprint is actually given, right? By Facebook, for example, to my... Uh, and what's interesting is that my if I was to pass away tomorrow, my digital footprint and all that stuff is actually given to the next person in line, right? My wife, for example to decide what to do with those materials, right? So it may not necessarily be even in my 
will considerations uh, or my personal wish considerations to not generate an A out of me, right? So then you can imagine the scenario where you're like, have a will and you're like, okay, please, you know, divide my property in half and half. And for my personal documents, you know, but if I was, and if I was brain dead, please place a do not resuscitate. And if I die, please do not use my electronic communications and give it to somebody else to make a digital, you know, immortal hologram of myself, right? I think that's actually something that, you know, wills will have to do eventually. So I think this digital avatar as a result to summarize is really crazy because it's not just the voice, it's not just the face, not just the video, but it's really, you know, the, the spirit, the soul, right? And that's going to come out more in terms of displacing a lot of folks in the entertainment industry, pushing a lot of power, I think, to brand owners, but also going to trickle into new monetization opportunities, but also I think trickle into the personal domain where everybody has to make a decision about whether you allow anybody to generate a level one or middle resolution or very high fidelity resolution of your personality and soul. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave. Thank you.